Ah, oh, Father. Mm. We don't even know what it means to burn for you. And yet, we desire it. Mm. Jesus, I just thank you that even in the unknowing, you present possibility that we cannot even begin to wrap our minds around. Even when we're drowning in offense, you present opportunity. There's always an invitation with you. There's always an invitation. There's always an extended hand. And right now, we just turn away from our own agenda. We turn away from all the things that we have deemed important to lock eyes with you. And we confess that we've been moved by offense. And we have moved away from your fire. But there's nothing that we long for more in this moment to be right in the middle of your unrelenting flames. To be a people of the fire, burning in your holiness, in your fiery passion. We are yours. Jesus, we are yours. We are yours. You are what we want. You're what we want. Just simply you, Jesus. You're what we want. And I thank you for the opportunity to have a conversation this morning surrounding your kingdom. Holy Spirit, would you turn the light on? As we step into a revelatory realm, would you keep the light on? Lead us into the depths of understanding the things that you have for us. We see your extended hand and we're accepting the invitation to follow you deep, to know more about your kingdom realm, to be fascinated by all that you have for us, to feel the pressure of the kingdom. We're so surrounded. We acknowledge that, that we're so surrounded. I thank you for the awe that is just moving into this room. Just this beautiful awe that is provoking something inside of us, settling us. Thank you for your weighty peace moving in and tempering us with holiness. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Amen. Amen. All right.
we're going to get into our discussion. Follow up from last week. Last week we talked about parables, kingdom parables out of Matthew 13. Does everybody remember that from those that were here? So the big takeaway from that was there's a response required. Right Right away in that first parable, uh, Jesus says, if you are able to understand this, then you need to respond. And in each one of the parables, we discovered that there was a response that was required, right? If you understand, then respond. If you have ears, incline your ear and listen. Right here. If you have eyes, look and see. Right? Everybody is on it today. I could see it. And Jesus didn't just share, you know, kingdom revelation just for the sake of knowledge, right? It was because there was a response that was required. There was always a response that was offered up as an invitation there in each and every one of the parables. And then uh, Wednesday morning, uh, during our unedited chats, we talked about tending the soil, tending the soil of your heart. You know, in this in this first parable, it talks about uh, the farmer who went out to sow seeds, and there was the different types of ground that the seed fell on, right? You want to have good soil for that seed to fall on. And so we talked about what it is that you're doing to prepare the soil of your heart, of your life, for that good seed. And then uh, Matthew 13, 16 says, But your eyes are privileged, for they see. Delighted are your ears, for they are open to hear all things. You've got to remember that your eyes are privileged. On this side of the cross, with the indwelling of Holy Spirit, Christ in you, you in Christ, that wonderful and beautiful mystery that that is, your eyes are privileged. And your ears are delighted because they are open to hear all things. That's the, the access that you have. There's an invitation there for you and an opportunity to discover. And so that's what we talked about last week. And that led into the, uh, the questions uh, that we put out there. The first one is, uh, how are you responding to the kingdom realm? How are you responding to the kingdom realm? So I will come around with this microphone right here and put it in front of you guys. If nobody wants to talk first, I'll pick who talks first. Remember, this is not about us sitting up here or standing up here and telling you what to think, right? We're not doing that. We want you to know how to think. We want you to be able to think for yourselves. So how are you responding to the kingdom realm? Anybody? Want to go first? I'm just going to pick then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so I was pondering this and I, what I, what I realized is that before I could learn how, um, like before I learned how to respond, I needed to like learn to respond. So, like, basically, I was just really intentional, especially the past, like, week and, week and a half to just be intentional about what, because there's always stuff coming at me. And so just slowing, like, being intentional about 
what am I responding to? And that helps me to make sure I'm responding to the kingdom realm instead of to the earthly realm and all the the debris flying at me at different times. So that's what I've been, I mean, not successful all the time, but really pressing into being intentional is, is to make sure that what I'm responding to is the kingdom realm, not the other realm. That's really good. I guess I should have uh, talked through some of the things we discussed about rules for this thing. And this is a perfect example right here is Lisa doesn't, wasn't trying to teach you anything, wasn't trying to conclude anything for anybody else, just sharing her experience and how she works through these things and what her feelings are about it and her ideas. And that's really what we want to do here. So if you feel like you're going to start teaching, just stop. <laughs> exactly. So thank you. Do we need to do some jumping jacks? We, we might need to do I just, something. I, I feel like we're here. a little docile, and that's probably my fault. My prayer was totally very slumbery. So you'll answer so you don't have to do jumping jacks. That works. I think the correct share is you don't want to see me jump. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I love, I love what she said because I had written down responding is a matter of recognition and fo focus, where you're focused, and um, recognizing that I am a vessel that carries Christ within. I have basically the kingdom in me because I have him in me, and that uh, to let him live through me uh, that brings kingdom to earth, I think, is, is being a Christ carrier, being acutely aware. That's one of my favorite scriptures, Galatians uh, 2.20. It's just become a keynote for me. I have been crucified with Christ, and yet I live. Yet not I, but the one who died, loved me, and died for me, lives through me, basically. And um, I say it every time differently. I quit reading all the versions. But anyway, he is living through you, right? If you recognize that he died for you, he is living in you. You have the water walker, the wall, walk, the wall walker through living in you. You have that kingdom in you. And, um, and you know, Jesus walked on the water before he was resurrected into his immortal body. So I don't recommend starting out with a deep hole of water, but you know, but the kingdom it offers much, and we haven't even breathed on it yet about what it offers, right? <laughs> We'd settle for healings, right? <laughs> Instead of water walking. But okay, that's my my thing. I agree very much with you, Elisa. I think that's true. Okay, I'll go. Um, I was kind of thinking along the lines of Lisa also is that I need to respond to the kingdom realm. Like you have to respond to start, right? So how are you responding is like you have to actually do a response. 
and then recognizing, are you responding to the kingdom or something of earth? I have the tendency, and I found that it's like, I very much want to please those around me and recognizing, am I pleasing those around me or am I pleasing God? And so kind of asking myself, like, what is, how are you responding and who are you responding to? Are you responding to people or are you responding to your father? So. Yeah, so nice. Um, I think I'm just relearning to hear. I feel like it's kind of been a a period of silence and separation for me. You know, I think it is on my side, but just realizing that, you know, we need to look around and see actually what truly surrounds us and relearning to, to hear that. Okay, um, <laughs> uh, responding to the kingdom realm uh, for me is just looking at what you do every day in your life and you, you have to make sure you're doing it for God and by God. It's not just you doing life in your own eyes, shaping yourself to what you want your future to be. You have to continue to shape your life and change your life to what God plans for your future to be. Anybody else? Annabelle has something to say? Oh, okay. Angie said you do, so I'll stand right here. Go ahead. We'll come back to her. Go ahead, Amy. Okay. Um, I was sitting here thinking this is way too high level for me right now. I feel like I'm in a pit. Um, But in the middle of that, I felt this invitation, like, how are you responding right now in the middle of your pit, like in the pain, in the moment? And... You know, we spend all of our lives trying to avoid pain, like pushing it aside and like letting offense and other things get in the way of it. And I feel like Jesus is here, like telling me to just sit in the pain and look at him and be okay with it. Like, let it, let it come. That is part of the kingdom realm. Like as humans, we experience these things. And when we push them aside and when we, when we get angry over them or we get offense offended or we you know have other things that pop up because of our pain we like push it and we don't look at it and so I think looking at pain right now feels like responding to the kingdom realm like being willing to look at it and go there you know that's really good
I really like like that you brought that up because it's it's an important thing um, when a fence comes up to be able to really look at what is going on and, and what's what's being uncovered in that and not to to just take the offense and hold on to it but but look at it because there's always going to be something that something that God's going to work out in you through that so thank you for for sharing that I was having a similar experience during worship where God was showing me how how I typically respond initially to to his his realm and I I was offended <laughs> I was offended by his perspective of my response to to him and the goodness that he offers but what he was showing me is that when the kingdom realm is coming near me it's it does cause like this this pain that is unfamiliar to me like I don't know what's happening and so in the unknowing I start grasping for lesser offenses. This is so bizarre and it's hard for me to like talk about out loud because I haven't had time to process it and I'm a processor. <laughs> so <laughs> follow along best you can. I hope it makes sense. And that what he was showing me is like I will I will start to reach for offenses that are easier for me to comprehend because I can't quite wrap myself around the offense that he's bringing into my life that it's offensive when he comes at me and says I am the answer because I cannot understand his ways, but he's still going, I'm the answer. And what he showed me was like this possibility that was like in this room and that I was pressed up on the out. If it was a bubble, actually what I was seeing it like was like, you know, a baby being in the um, a bag of waters, right? And I was on the outside of it and the kingdom realm was on the inside, but I was being pushed up against it and being like a brat. I mean, like, no, like I don't understand. And I'm still wanting to reach for offenses that, that make sense to me, that I can understand and comprehend. And he was showing me that that's kindling for hell's fire right? Like hell is not a space that God sends you because you're bad, right? It's not a, a space that when you miss it here on earth, that that's your eternal existence. Hell is something that exists now. And it's the separation that we believe exists between us and God. And so what I'm doing is creating kindling for, for hell's fire for me to remain here in this space that's uncomfortable. And, and I feel separated from him and I feel like all things are going to fall apart, but the possibility that he's bringing is also offensive. But all I have to do is say, okay, right? So I don't know if that's, that was just my experience this morning of what, what the kingdom realm was feeling like for me. And, and it took a second for him to really like grab my attention. I'm talking to you kind of thing. And I was like, listen, I am busy worshiping you. Could you? <laughs> so anyway. That's quite the response. <laughs> So after I said what I said last time, I reread the question. It's how are you responding? I feel like I gave a how I should respond, not how I am responding. So not really answering the question you asked. And I think the reason why is this question is vulnerable. Like it takes us to be like real. If I'm real with myself right now, I am running the opposite way. 
the kingdom realm comes and God talks to me in my dreams. Like I have vivid dreams, like waking myself up laughing dreams. Right? Like I very, like God talks to me through my dreams. And I think I've been running from them, honestly, because that's where the kingdom realm is really, and God's really talking to me in that. And very often I'll wake up and know very well, I should definitely journal this dream to process it later. And I'm like, nope, moving on with my day. Thanks God for that. Kind of what you're saying, like, nope, that, that sounds fun. <laughs> maybe that, that, maybe that would be, but that's going to actually take work and you're going to pull something out of me that maybe I don't really want to let go of right now. So how I'm responding is I pretty much running, trying to like hide back behind and hide in the corner. I'm here, but not really here. So. That's good. Did everybody catch that in, in your, your answer? How are you responding? Not how should you respond? All right, good. Oh, all right. Got another one here. Thanks. So um, um, I was thinking of this. We had a tournament in uh, Wichita yesterday. And we got to play in the championship game, and it was pretty cool. There was this little point guard on the other team. <clears throat> she was 10, playing on the varsity team, and she was by far their best player. She was feisty. And I had to call a timeout and change our defense up just for her to basically attack her because she was kicking our butt. And the way that coach on the other team was responding was, Oh, you're picking on her. You guys are beating me. She's only 10. She's only 10. She's killing us. And that was, that's what she's hearing from her leader. That was the response she was hearing instead of, they see what you have and they're countering it, but you're powerful. Wow. And so if you think about that, it, she could have had, he could have responded to her into a way where in life later on, she's not going to be going, woe is me, they're picking on me. Instead of, holy crap, they see me and they're coming at me and they're responding in a way that tells me I am powerful. Yeah, so, so good. Anyone else? Whoa, we've moved. <gasps> Do you have an answer yet? You don't, okay. I'll come back to you, we'll, we'll swing back around. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> I won't forget. I'll forget, don't worry. You're okay. All right, question number two. What does it look like for you to release the kingdom? What we talked about last week and where this question came was, is freely you've received, so freely you give, right? Part of the response from the kingdom is that you share that with others. You release healing, you release goodness, you release forgiveness. So what does it look like for you to release the kingdom? 
basically, uh, most of us have had something prophesied over us. And things will come up again and again in the prophecies with different people. And I use, I, um, sorry, the, um, um, I do it. So I think I, I kind of uh, release the kingdom by being what I've been called into, you know, uh, intercessory prayer and um, uh, encouragement. I love to encourage. I can't stand it on Facebook because somebody writes something down <laughs> and I, I'm encouraging them in Jesus, you know. They're probably like, who's that woman? But anyway, uh, and also um, writing. I, I do a lot. I like to write. And God, I, I believe he speaks through me, frankly, because when I try and tell somebody, oh, I wrote such and such, there's, I can't say it. I don't speak it. I write it. It's all through the pen. And I think you find if you don't have a word over you, we have people here that can give you a word over you. And it will focus. It can help focus your life in a direction that is important and valuable to you, that, that he wants to use the kingdom through you with that. So that's what prophetic words. Um, I was kind of thinking along the lines of Clea also of just that the words that have been spoken over me or the natural, the gifts that God has given me, right? Our natural, what we consider like our natural talents, right? Those I believe are gifts that God's given us for our life. And that's how I can release the kingdom to those around me is by just truly just being me, being who God has created me to be. And for me, that looks like um, loving family. Um, helping rebuild families um, and breaking generational curses. I'm just. Okay. So, um, what does it look like for me to release the kingdom? Um, I wrote down that. Me releasing the kingdom looks like releasing peace, rest, and healing. And that when people are in my presence, that they'll feel supported, encouraged, and and healed. So, yeah. I don't have an answer formed in my mind. Um... The re releasing the kingdom to me feels like free flowing. It feels like, um, you know, the river of life, like coming out of me. It feels like allowing things um, instead of resisting. Even, you know, stuff like pain and things that come up, like allowing them to come up and to look at them and to not run away in fear. Um, it means pursuing humans, even when 
like a fence and other things get in the way when you can't see the humans continuing to pursue humans. Um, even in church, like for me, the offense of the institution of church, like I get to pursue relationships with all of you, despite that, like I, I get to continue to pursue the humans here, you know? Um, yeah. Is that enough? Well, I was thinking about an answer, and I was gonna like have a really good answer, but then I figured out that I'm actually still learning how. Yeah, that's all. That's a really honest and great answer. Thank you. Um, I think releasing the kingdom is like releasing kindness instead of greediness. Like if you have, like if you're rich, you want more money. But if I was rich, I would share kindness. I would give it out to the poor. I would buy stuff for the poor. I'd give lots of money to others. Is there just being greedy? I mean, it's rude to be greedy. <laughs> and technically, if you're greedy, then what's the point of even existing? Because you're, all you're doing is just being greedy. Nothing else. All you want is just money. Just be kind. Giving all the money away. Sounds like somebody I know sitting up there. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Mike, did you have something? Okay. <laughs> Ultimately, I guess I just have, it looks like being myself, showing up fully, and realizing that some of the weaknesses I perceive in myself is actually gifts when I, I put it into action. It's so fun to listen to these responses because you could take these responses and turn them back into answers for the first question about how you're responding right. to the kingdom. I lost my I can hold it for you. <laughs> I mean, one more the same. On my hand. Morning, guys. Um, for me, I am, I think I'm struggling with all three of these questions, um, but I'm trying to get better. Uh, I do have a little extra and for me to release the kingdom, I'm trying to be more generous with what I have. Um, whether it be knowledge, whether it be wealth, whether it be something else, I'm trying to be more generous to show people that there is kindness that there is goodness in the world. I do. So God gave me joy. God makes me happy. 
And just like Hunter was saying, might have a little bit too much happiness. So I like to share that. Share your joy. I like it. Oh, I was like, who's saying my name? <laughs> So I'm really silent and there's this song, like the first few words are, I will come to you in the silence. And that just really speaks to me. They're back to being shy again. Yeah. It's okay. Um, I, I want to answer this question because I, I think that sometimes the reason we don't have a response to these kinds of questions is, is because we don't want to be held accountable to what it is that God is actually showing us. And so here goes. Um, it, it, this has been kind of a recurring theme in my life of God like accusing me. I know he's not the accuser, so don't take that too far, um, <laughs> of playing small. And, and I feel like that's something that he's been speaking to me just really over the last 48 hours of like, why do you continue to be comfortable playing so small? And so I think that like that picture that I was showing you of me feeling like pressed up against the wall outside of his goodness, because I refuse for whatever reason to enter in is because I am actually fearful of who he's called me to be. And, and so I know that there's an invitation for me right now. And what it looks like for me to release the kingdom is to make a full on agreement with who I am. And, and that looks like surrounding myself with giants, right? And, and so it matters very much for me, especially to, to who I'm surrounded with. So if I'm playing small, then I'm going to like surround myself with people who are okay with excuses and sidelining themselves and cause then I'm comfortable. But if I surround myself with giants, then that requires something of me. So I'm putting y'all on notice hold me accountable to that because I need to make an agreement with who it is that I am and play big. That's good. That's, that speaks to what uh, Lisa, you were talking about earlier with how you're responding to the kingdom and what it is you're, you're listening to. I love that. What does it look like for me to release the kingdom? This has been a tough one because of what I, what I mentioned a minute ago about how it kind of uh, goes back to the first question and how I'm responding to the kingdom. It's not running, but it's definitely a fight um, because it's much the same experience when um, I feel the kingdom coming on on me and and really being shown something. My response is usually a some kind of fight. It's not necessarily a okay. Let's look at this. Eventually, it is. But it takes some time, right? We all have those moments where we don't like what we're hearing. And it, it, it feels harsh, for lack of a better term. And it's, it's tough to hear, but this is something that God's bringing out and, and showing. And so, so my response to that is usually some kind of resistance there for a while. Then, then I take it on. And so what it looks like for me to release the kingdom is, is much the same thing Angie was talking about, not playing small, because I have a tendency to... To think less than for, 
about what I have to say and about what I've been saying and what's been happening because of the response that I see to that or even a lack of response. But regardless of the response, I'm still going to share with, with everyone what he tells me to share, what it is that um, he wants me to, to put out there. I'm going to do that. I'm going to respond quickly. I'm going to release quickly. And one of the things that, um, one of the things he's been talking to me a lot about the last couple of days is faith and how I can have the faith inside of me to just say, you know, like I hit my knee on this table earlier before we started service and it hurt bad. I could barely climb up into the sound booth. Um, but during worship, he reminded me about faith. You know, I have the faith inside of me to just say, you know what? You're fine. And I did, and it was fine. The pain went away. And so that's part of what I'm releasing to uh, and, and how I'm responding to the kingdom is that faith. I, I think this would be an appropriate time for, for a testimony. And I know I'm putting you on the spot, but um, I, I want to, I want to share with you something that happened. Um, gosh, it was probably a, a week and a half ago. Um, so you can come up here. Lisa um, was healed of endometriosis. How many years ago? Four or five, four or five years ago, God healed her of endometriosis, and um, she, a week and a half ago, had started having like symptoms of endometriosis, and and she sent out you know prayer requests that um, it, that people would surround her and pray for. Her. Well, we met, and um, and we started talking about where her feet are. And I want us to really understand, I'm going to step into a little bit of a teaching mode. Is that allowed? Um, <laughs> we have to understand that where our feet are matters. It matters very much because we will begin to manifest the realm where our feet are. And, and, and Lisa, you can, I'll, I'll let you just kind of like give a, a quick little peek into like where your feet might've been uh, the, those few days where you were experiencing um, an old ailment. Um, yeah, I was definitely in fear. It was like just brought on sense of just all, just a whole slew of negative emotions, like, like hopelessness, despair, like, and then just lots of questions. Like, you know, I was healed. What happened? Why am I experiencing all of this? Um, and just really let it take me into a place of fear. And, and so we started having a conversation like, okay, Lisa, where are your feet right now? And, um, and then it really we're just talking through what does it look like for you to know that, that you're in the kingdom realm, that you're experiencing and manifesting kingdom realm qualities and wholeness. And something shifted immediately. Well, I mean, I also think the picture was really, really... Um... I had because it lined up with what God had already been showing me that I was not keeping my eyes fixed on Him, and I would was keeping my all, all I was seeing was all like just all the distractions, and He'd already been talking about that, and then you shared 
So we saw. had we had started off at just praying, and and in this time of prayer, God was just like opening up this picture for me, and and it was a, a street, and on the street there were caution signs, and and because there was a sinkhole in the middle of the street, and then there were barricades all around the sinkhole, and everything about the street was just like keep out, danger ahead, kind of thing, and and what God was showing me was like. That was all a mirage. That was the tactics of a, a defeated enemy trying to keep her out of her destiny by, you know, he always overplays his hand. I will not stop saying that because he will always overplay his hand. And what he covers up is actually what is our inheritance, our divine inheritance. So we have to know when there is a scheme at play trying to keep us out by fear and that's really going to be the the main player in in all of these things is fear. Fear tells us lies all the time. Like, don't go any further because danger, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So basically that, her sharing that just really, it was like confirmation of what God had already been take, talking about. And it was just like, okay, like it's time to take the block, you know, mm-hmm. like, like you can take this block, like what is standing in front of you. And so... Um, I just really, it was just like, no, like I, like I'm a heal, like what I, I realized like what I felt like was God has called me a healer and he's been asking me to press further into that, press further into praying for healing, believing that things are happening in the unseen realm, even if we're not seeing it, believing that things are happening. And so I really just felt like it was an attack to be all honest, that it was, things manifesting and symptoms manifesting to get me to doubt first what had happened to me and also to doubt who I am. Mm -hmm. And so I got really pissed, honestly. (laughs) Uh, I was like, okay, enough of you, Satan. Like you don't get to, um, you no longer get my attention. And so basically I just sat on my throne and just declared just, and I, it was like when I, it took me a while to get started, but once I did, I could feel like my courage and just like, it, everything just got intense, but in a really good way. And I just declared it and it just like everything just stopped. I went to the bathroom and like all signs of everything just just ceased in that moment. And And just so you know, when she says it took a while, like this whole thing from prayer to end was 10 minutes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So I mean, maybe. And, and so it just took a shift of her moving her feet from a realm of darkness to a kingdom realm. And suddenly, suddenly she began to manifest the goodness of God. Yeah. And it was like very apparent. I mean, I was in a lot of pain. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Put you on the spot, but thank you. It's powerful. All right. I want to read something to you before we get to the last question here. Uh, We're going to read Matthew 13. We're going to start in verse 36. Jesus left the crowds and went inside the house where he was staying. Then his disciples approached him and asked, please explain the deeper meaning of the parable of the weeds growing in the field of wheat. He answered, The man who sowed his field with good seed represents me, the son of man. And the field is the world. The good seeds I sow are the children of the kingdom realm. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest points to the end of this age. 
and the harvesters are God's messengers. As the weeds are bundled up and thrown into the fire, so it will be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his messengers, and they will uproot everything out of his kingdom. All the lawless ones and everything that causes sin will be removed, and they will throw them into the fiery furnace, where they will experience great sorrow, pain, and anguish. Then the godly ones will shine like the brightness of the sun in their Father's kingdom realm. If you're able to understand this, then you'd better respond. What I was talking about here was if... First thing I asked was, what if the lawless ones that are gathered up and thrown into the fiery furnace are Satan and his demons, not necessarily people, right? Because if it is people that are, are gathered up and thrown into this eternal torment, the people that God created to love, the people that were created to in turn love him. It's just hard for me to imagine that there is, that he is in his goodness going to take people and throw them into this eternal torment. And I'm not saying that's necessarily the way it is. And I'm not saying that's what this actually says here. But what if? What if that's what it is? Because if you read this and you think that people are going to be thrown into this eternal torment, this fiery furnace, then where does new creation play into that? Right? For me, that leads to the question is, if that is the case, then, you know, we, we talk about the goodness of, of God all the time, our, our Father's goodness towards us and the good things that he has towards us. It kind of calls that into question, at least for me. I'm willing to ask hard questions, right? You have to be willing to enter into a conversation with God and ask hard questions. And then be willing to have your, your sacred cows slaughtered. Right? Those things that you've believed all your life because that's what you've been told and not necessarily by him. Right? Right? Depending on which part of the country you grew up in, you could hear some really harsh, harsh messages taught from the stage every Sunday telling you what to believe, telling you what to think, telling you what to say, what to do, rather than how to think for yourself, rather than telling you, go engage Holy Spirit. So that led, led to this last question. Do you really trust our Father's goodness and why? What's led you to either trust or not trust? Do I really trust our Father's goodness and why? And I'm going to be 100% honest with myself and with everyone. Um, the answer for me is no. But I'm learning. I'm trying. I'm attempting. And sometimes I fail. Um, the why is a lot has happened 
and a lot still happens in everyone's life. Uh, it shows hardship. Um, and then I look at people who have trusted his goodness throughout their whole life and where they are now. And I look at myself and try to mirror that. And th there's times where I think about things that have happened uh, earlier in my life that will make me pull back when something new happens, make me pull back my trust where I'm not fully putting it, not fully trusting in all of God's goodness. Um, so, so quick answer is no, um, but I am trying. I, I know the goodness of God. I mean, I, but my first thought when I read that, and my first reaction was, yes, I do trust him. I really do. But there is a scripture that says he will make all things work together for good. So what you first see, my first thought was, do I really trust him for the long haul? You know what I mean? Because if... if um, if he will make all things work together for good, can I last through it with him? You know, because, because uh, let's say you have somebody you really love. I have a friend who lost her husband, adored him. She best man she'd ever had in her life, which wouldn't have been hard, but he was really good. <laughs> and when he, when he died and they still were in their 60s, she was really broken. And she said, why? Why did God take him? And the hardest thing I had was helping her understand, and I don't, she's still working it through, but in being sympathetic, because I know what it's like to lose someone that you love, you know, that he, that all things will work together for good, you know. And, and so, you know, do I trust my father's goodness? Oh, and you go, the devil brings your heart to, what if he, what if one of my family members die? How is he going to make that work together for good? You know, or, or if you've grown up and you've been mistreated and you go, he's good, then why did that happen to me as a child? And there are questions that I don't know that we'll ever get in heaven until heaven. But, but when I look at what, the cross did for me. I, I, that's, I've thought about that. In the Garden of Eden, they just had to assume love. They'd always felt it, you know, because they were innocent adults, <laughs> you know. And, and that may have left a hole for, for the doubt, you know, that made them fall. But when you go, when you, there are especially some really good father songs out right now that are about the Father's heart. That there, there used to be, and I don't know if how many of you have this, because I'm old, but um, they used to teach that God had to get payment for sin. You had something, somebody had to suffer, you know, and that he separated himself back from the Son. And when Jesus took the brunt for our iniquities and our sins, which they somewhat very and for our healings the father he was like this he couldn't look on sin jesus be, jesus became sin for every one of us 
The sinful things you've done were taken to the cross. The things you were do went to the cross. And so we were kind of taught when I grew up, and even Randy heard that in his Catholic church, that, um, that the sins that God turned his back on the son when he was crucified, could not look at him until the whole process went. Then he could look. Then it was okay. Then he took Jesus back. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus said, I and my father are one. He will never leave me or forsake me. He, and he even says, in other scriptures, it was the desire in the heart of the father that we'd be saved. So when I look at the son of God, a third of the Trinity, beat, oh, it makes me cry to think, the beating, boy, if you don't get this, rent the passion, you'll get it. The passion of Christ, you know, that was put out by Mel Gibson. And he said he couldn't even show it, all that happened to him. How he was, Isaiah tells us, undis undistinguishable as a man when the Romans got done with him. And then he was put on a cross. And the very people that he was dying for were walking by and spitting on him and saying, if you are really the son of God, why don't you come down? Well, they didn't realize if he'd come down, we'd have been in deep Nunuji right now. So uh, I look at that, and I look how the Holy Spirit didn't want to see it either. He, he was the power that raised Jesus from the dead. They had to pull back the power and watch a third of the Godhead brutalized by the very humanity that they loved and made to love. And, and I can't doubt his goodness when I think of that. I just can't. You know, and there are answers. There are other answers uh, about hell and everything, and I not going to go into that now, but God's love is a passion. A lot of the wrath of God is trans is is actually or gray or gray and that means extreme passion. God's passion is against the sin, not his humanity. So I don't know how that looks. That's a million dollar question to me, but I do know I do trust his goodness. I do. Because I've seen the cross. And, and how, gosh, how can you doubt goodness of God when you're a third of the Godhead came to earth as a human, suffered and died for us, that we might be set free, literally, from Adam's sin. We don't have to hold on to it. And, and yes, I come up with, even though there's that little, he'll make all things work together for good in the long run, which we don't always like. That's scary. I do trust his goodness. Has to be green. <laughs> um, yes, I do. Um, do I really trust God's goodness? Yes. Why? I more than my story, um, my story of why I'm here, I shouldn't be here. Like science, anything would say that I should not be here today. So I can't believe that he's not good. 
and I've lost. I've lost a lot in my life, but I've learned so much and I have so much that I can't say that he's not good. And I've seen so much good. And like you were saying, there's so much hurt in the world. I see it. I see it daily. I just got a call about three boys that were pulled from their home last night that needed a place to sleep. There's hurt all over. But I know that God is good because in the hurt and in that, there's love, right? I have kids that come into my home that have been through some terrible things, but in the bottom of it is love. Like they can still show love. And in the innocence of a child that's been through some terrible things and they can still show love, all I can say is that's a good father. Um, I wrote down yes and no. <laughs> um, because I feel like I, I do trust God and, and I do trust in my father's goodness, but I forget. Um, sometimes I feel like I allow circumstances around me or even my own personal, what I would call, you know, issues, defects, things, just, just things like that, um, where I don't, I'm not walking in my fullness. And sometimes I look and I, I put it on a scale, you know, there's God's goodness over here. And then there's circumstances in my own view of myself over here. And I let the scale get on like uh, out of proportion. It gets out of whack. And I let what I see around me um, take away from that goodness. But ultimately it's not, I ultimately I do trust and believe in my father's goodness. I just forget. And I don't walk all the time out of that place of trust. Yeah, I mean, I think cerebrally, I know that it's true, but I certainly don't show it all the time, and I frequently turn to myself to solve my own problems. So it shows certainly that I probably don't trust completely, but even though I know it's true. Uh, I think... Um, okay, I, I'm coming out of a very emotional place. I saw a lot of pain this week. Um, I saw, saw a lot of pain of people that I love, people that I don't know at all, like just continuous like stuff all week long. And um, I feel like the more I see the pain, in the world, the more trust I have, because I also like had so many moments of seeing even that pain, like reconciled immediately after it's like pain, reconciliation, pain, reconciliation, like continuously happening. And, you know, with freedom, God gives us freedom. And so we choose things and we cause pain, we cause each other pain, all of these things like, we are completely free, but he is right there, like reconciling every detail of it. And it's beautiful. 
And how can that not be good? You know, who else? Like, who would have even thought of that? To give humans freedom and then, like, to enjoy bringing the things back and pulling them back into himself and reconciling them back together. But it really takes us, like, being willing to look at the pain to get to that point. Like, I think that's just where I am. Like, oh, that pain. I have to look at it. I have to experience it to see the goodness. Because when I look away and when I hide from it, I also don't see the good that he's reconciling in it. I think for me, I, I'm, I'm where Mike is at, and it's a, a yes and it's a no, because God can, continues to touch parts of my life where he, he's like bringing to my attention, like, you're not actually trusting me here. Your, your actions are proving that you do not trust me here. And, and my decisions to grab hold of worldly offense, that's me saying very blatantly, God, I don't trust you. So I'm going to leech on to this thing instead. And, um, and so it's, it's been a, this has been a specific journey for me in trusting the goodness of God. And um, it started two and a half years ago where he was very clear out on a walk on a country road you don't trust me. And that pierced me to, to have him say those words to me because I thought that if there was anything, I trusted God. And, um, and so it has been a journey for me to like be very methodical moment to moment. Am I trusting you here? Or, or, and then there's a spot in Song of Songs, I think it's chapter four, where he talks about taking us up the mountain and through the archway of trust. And I just absolutely love that for two reasons, obviously, because it's his doing. So I can lean completely into him and know that this trust thing is on him. He's guiding my heart to learn to trust him. And, and, and also that, that, um, it, there's, there's, there's a journey in it. If he's taking us up this mountain, like we're ascending at, at each new level. So my answer is definitely yes. And, and no, yes, I, I want, I'm, I'm anchoring myself to the hope that he is good, that there is goodness for me at every turn. And at the same time, I'm learning to, to trust in his goodness. Anyone else want to share anything? I really don't know, <clears throat> but but I think it's where my heart, my soul, and my mind lead me. So Kalida said something really good um, about whys and what ifs. I feel like those are the questions that make the third question answer no. Whys and what ifs are what allows negative. And with that negativity comes unassurance or lack of trust. And I've been asking a lot of whys and what ifs recently. But 
I was raised to know what is true. I was raised to know what is true. So yes, I do trust my father. Why are we autumn? I swear. <laughs> I don't have a why, but yeah, I do. I don't have the why answer though. <laughs> For me, it's been quite a long journey. Uh, I would say that through my time in the Army and what I've seen is capable from one human to another, uh, I would have said no through all of that, that I didn't trust that he was good. Uh, over the last few years after retiring and particularly over the last six months, um, that started to change a lot. Just from personal experience, things that he's doing with me, uh, that's changing. And, and the trusting that he is good and that he absolutely has good things for me uh, is something that is starting to really come into a more clear focus. And one of the things with that is, is knowing that there's union with him, with the Trinity, there's oneness there. And with that, I can, I can see all these, these things that like what you're talking about, the pain, uh, that you're, you're seeing, uh, be able to experience those things and know that I have a home in union with him. And those, those painful things that challenge my trust of his goodness really point me back to knowing that I'm in union, union with him and I have a home there. And so for me, it's, it's definitely building up more and more trust in his goodness. And I think that something that Amy said earlier when she kept referencing humans, which I thought was cute, <laughs> we are not aliens, we're humans, um, <laughs> is that, you know, it, it, to for me anyway, to trust in my father's goodness, I understand that there's this grandiose idea of the father's goodness. And I can 100% say, yes, like you laid out, Kalita, like, why would he have done this if I couldn't trust him? But I think that it's so it becomes so evident when we're viewing one another, whether we trust in our father's goodness, because if I can't see you the way that he sees you, then there's a lack of trust somewhere in there where I'm in a disagreement with who he is, which is also what you're talking about, where he's constantly reconciling the moment where it's like, I may have lashed out because of an offense that came up against me that I, I, I responded to wrongly and, and I didn't rightly see you. And, and that's, that's me having a, a disagreement with his goodness. That's me not trusting in his goodness in that moment. So yes, we can make this grandiose 
agreement. We can trust your goodness. You're so good. We can even, we can have our mouths filled with God. You're good. And then in the next moment, strike somebody down because we refuse to see them the way that our good father does. And so it's, it's, it's a yes and it's a no. Yes, we can say he's a good father. But then in those small moments that matter, we're so quick to be like, you know, you're going to hell, you know? I mean, like, how often does humanity do that? Like, we, we sentence one another to, to, to hellish things rather than sitting in the moment and allowing ourselves to view one another through his good eyes. And if we would do that, what a difference it would make in our world to, to not be so quick to judge by what our eyes see, but to, to put on those revelational eyes and be able to see each other through his goodness and say, oh, no matter what, you're stunning. No matter what, I see the characteristics and the traits of my father and draw that out of one another. I think it's the call. I think that in 2 Corinthians 5, when it talks about the ministry of reconciliation, I believe that's actually our job and to stand in the gap and say, Father, what they just did doesn't align with who you are and who they are in you, but I forgive them because he says that what we forgive is forgiven. So when we're harboring unforgiveness toward one another's actions, we're holding each other hostage to be able to trust in the goodness of God. And so our job is to actually reconcile one another with his goodness. And we're so unwilling to do that because we love to keep score, right? That's hard. It's hard to hear. That's what we do. You look at each other's track record and we're like, I'm going to reconcile you to hell. I'm going to reconcile you to demonic ways. And I just have to ask us who's actually carrying the demonic influence when we're standing as the, as the accuser. Ouch. Reconcile one another to the Father. And this is what else I'll say. You are not called to carry understanding of everything. If you do not have understanding of something, shut up. Just let love become what's the most real thing. Not every hill is ours to take. If you do not carry understanding just love. Yeah, when you put on those spiritual eyes and you start looking at other people, like Angie said, you know, the releasing forgiveness. Jesus said in, in John 20, 23, I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins and people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. If you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. I, I've, I've had occasion to have some deep hurts, and that is the easiest way to forgive. If you turn and look at them through God's eyes, to say they're, they're living not how God intended, and he has better things for them. It's, it's amazing. You can let it go. It is a letting, truly. I mean, you can forgive, but then it seems to come back and hit you in the teeth again. Well, this is what happened. But if you can say that's not how God's seeing them, 
That's not how he's called them. That's not what he's called them into. And I forgive them, God, because I know you love them. It's the easiest way I found. That's that's the bottom line for forgiving. It's just beautiful. It's the only way. Thank you, because I loved your teaching that Friday before last. It was so good. Anybody have anything else to say? Anything to add? I, I want to ask a more pressing question. Um, we're going to go off rails here just a little bit. How are you personally in a disagreement with God based on how you view yourself? Do we understand the question? Can we say it again? How are we personally in a disagreement with God based on how we're viewing me, us, self? This is going to be good. I don't feel like enough. And God disagrees. God disagrees. <laughs> I have a new answer for the first question, actually. Okay. Uh, uh. I really didn't want to answer this question. I did not for a while, like for six months probably, because I was in a relationship. And I was being, I felt like I was being pulled away from God in that relationship. So I changed my answer to sort of, yeah, because I'm, Somebody's helping me. The question on how we are in a disagreement with God about ourselves. Um, I've actually been really thinking about the that question this week of in realizing that I am perfectly okay with any of you guys making mistakes. God loves you and forgives you, and it's learning. But I can't make a mistake. And I am really hard on myself when I make a mistake or I do things wrong that I can't. So that's kind of the disagreement that I can't make a mistake and that I have to have it all figured out already. But I'm okay with the rest of you doing it. So, but God loves me and loves my mistakes and loves my growing.
My answer is, I don't feel like I'm loved at all, but I know that God does, Jesus does, the whole entire family I'm with does. But sometimes I just don't feel like I'm loved at all, even when I am. Well, my dear, you are loved. Uh, the question. The question was, um, how are you in a disagreement with God personally? I can answer while the rest of you think. For me, it's it happens regularly and it comes back around quickly to get out of disagreement and back into alignment. Um, any kind of negative response or, uh, I don't know, any kind of negative response that, that, I, that I get uh, sends me into this whole victim mentality where uh, not good enough, not ever doing anything right, that's the biggest one. I can't ever do anything right. And, and I would sit in that for a long time. And it would send me into a self-sabotage. And, and what, I would, what I'd realize is, is eventually I would come back around and, and start talking to God again after ignoring him for a while. And he, he would you know, bring me back into alignment by reminding me of things and affirming me in different things. And I would realize like, okay, that none of that is true. All those things that I've been telling myself. And now when it happens very quickly, I catch it. I'm like, wait, wait, stop, stop. You are not a victim, right? Kings are not victims. And so I will steal away for a moment and look myself in the eyes, find a mirror, look at myself and, and and with God remind myself who I am and who he says that I am. It took me a while, but I finally touched something. Um, wait, what was the question again? Like, how are you going to disagree Okay. <laughs> Thank you. From both sides, I got it. Um, <laughs> for me, I think um, uh, it's hard to say this word out loud. It's about belonging. Um, I tell myself I don't belong in certain places. And sometimes it's because of offense that comes up or other things that show up that I'm like using as an excuse to not belong. Um, but yeah, I like, you know, or I, I step into a place where I feel like there is a level of belonging. And then every other place I go, I'm like, oh, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. I only belong there. And I feel like God's telling me you belong everywhere. Like with anybody at any moment, you belong right there. So, yeah.
Okay. Um, how am I personally in a disagreement with God on the way I view myself? Okay. Many ways. <laughs> um, I think for me, it's mainly just not, um, I just don't, I don't view myself correctly or I, or I don't focus on the correct things about myself. Um, I don't, like, I just don't agree in my, how powerful I am or how influential I am or, or just like how big I actually am. I don't, yeah, I just I don't agree. So that's how I'm in a personal disagreement is I am not, um, being, I'm, I'm, I'm being too quiet in all aspects of my life. Like, that's what I feel like. So, and, and I'm letting, and then the ways I am not being quiet and using my voice are not for the correct things. So. How am I in a disagreement with God about myself? Um, God wants us to be forgiveful and that is something that I struggle with. I struggle to forgive people. Um, people from my past, uh, from my life back home, um, up to and including both my parents. Um, I've been talked to them in one for three, one for five years now. So uh, I struggle to forgive. That's something I'm trying to work on um, before I as I continue into adulthood. Um, so that is something I definitely disagree with God right now is being forgetful. I've definitely been letting the interactions I've had with people and the feedback that I get um, speak much higher than what God has spoken over me. So when I have a negative interaction or when I have negative feedback, that's what I turn to and go, oh, yeah, no, that's that's totally true when there's so much more. you want to give an example okay <laughs> you're asking mike for an example no no sorry 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 no i was just thinking <laughs> that's funny um no i was just thinking about it in the sense that like like at work i am very i'm very detailed like i see everything and um and i've noticed that like so i come into work and obviously i've noticed this specifically at work there's always things, you know, that aren't done or aren't. And some of the things that aren't done, sometimes there are bigger hindrances than others. But anyway, so I'm very, I notice all the things. And so, um, which is a curse and a blessing. Um, 
in especially in work, well, in other areas too. But anyway, so what I started to do is I'm detail-oriented and I notice everything. Well, which means I can notice and focus on good and bad. So what I've started doing at work is instead of coming in and focusing on the things that I see that need fixing or correcting or whatever, I'm intentionally focusing. What I'm focusing and giving my words to are the things that I'm noticing that are good. Like when someone does something above and beyond or when someone does something like, I'm like, oh my gosh, awesome. Like, so I'm just, and it's just changed everything in the way how I feel like the people around me at work are also experiencing me, like, and, and even in the atmosphere around me. Um, so anyways, yeah, I just think that kind of is all of those things for me, like what learning how I'm responding, like what realm am I responding to the kingdom realm or the earthly realm and just, yeah, like releasing encouragement and releasing those things instead of criticism. Cause when I'm, I'm detail oriented, so I can see both things. I don't know. Anyways. That's really good. Oh man, the positive is wonderful. You guys go, go ahead, honey. Oh, okay. Actually, um, most of my life, I have not been focused on the details. Um, and, and a lot of my life, I was fearful taking care of myself because I didn't think he could take care of me, you know? So only in the last few years has that changed that I'm not so fearful about stepping. But also, forever, I've held myself to a standard of people, you know, what if somebody comes? I better clean the house. Better get it ready. You know, it might not be neat enough. It might not be clean enough. <laughs> you know, and after I was sick this last time, I realized that I am not called. Now, I'm not saying this in a way that you want to offend people. My house isn't that bad. But, <laughs> but, but, but that I am uniquely who I am. And if I have a Bible here and a journal there and a Bible here and two or three there and a journal here and a TV tray by my recliner, then when somebody comes, I do not start organizing <laughs> because either they love me, God loves me, I know he loves me, and obviously there was a point where I didn't love myself because I, I would try to make myself fit into what someone else had of a, a, a picture of me. And I think it's so easy to do that when you're young, you know, because everybody, much peer pressure. But when you're old and you have somebody that's a really good housekeeper coming over, <laughs> next month I'm having a friend who cleans her house when I don't know how she could ever tell it was dirty. You know, I, my cracky, if I can take my finger across something and I can see my crack, I better clean. I, you know what I mean? And it's going to be interesting. But. It always has been. She loves me. But anyway, looking, wanting people to approve, people's approval and not God's approval. And especially with this last six spell, I just decided it's God's approval I'm after. I don't care if you don't like what I do. I am never cruel. I'm not a cruel person. I hear somebody say, oh, man, they're really mean. And I'm like, really? I haven't seen that in them. You know, so, but just, I, I do not need to be a people pleaser. I, I desire to be God pleaser, you know, and you'll make you do some pretty crazy things. 
he really will like be seven, almost 76 and worship like a kid. He just does that. So anyway, that's mine. I know there's something, but I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> mm -mm, I had to rub it in. I think when we don't have an answer, that's a disagreement of what God calls us to. Because God has put that song you were just saying, like we have a lion within us that's ready just to roar. And you all have something mighty to say, including me. And I think sometimes when we hold back on saying those things, that's disagreeing with who God calls us to be. Um, I love these conversations. Do you, are you guys, are you loving this? Yes, no, indifferent, apathetic? Okay. Um, I'm loving <laughs> these conversations because I, I think that it provokes something deeper in us and it starts to stir things up on the inside of us. And I think that that's really important for us, one, to understand who it is that we've been made to be and, and have a better understanding of who God is and being able to see him through each other's eyes, right? Like the idea here isn't that we all become each other, right? <laughs> but that we value one another's sights of who God is. Yes? Yes. So with that, I bless you. Go in peace. Go in peace friends.